everybody. Welcome to this episode of CTU Speaks Strike Anniversary. I am your co-host, Andrea Parker, and I am joined with my co-host, Jim Staros. How's it going there, Miss Parker? It is going well. I'm glad. Yes, I am so excited that this is the anniversary of our infamous strike. I know. It's crazy, right? I mean, it's hard to believe it's already been a whole year. I know time goes by so fast, but I am so glad that we, as a union of 25,000 strong, made the decision to go on strike for the equity of our students. That's right. And don't forget, we were joined with SEIU and also with the Park District as well. That was a giant strike downtown. And we're about to hear some of those voices from the, the strike back a year ago. It's going to be uh, going to be fun. We're going to hear some of the stuff that was going on on the strike line. We're going to hear some of our favorite songs of the strike. And we're going to hear Tennille singing, shut it down, going to shut it down. Yeah, she does better than me, though. So, yeah. <laughs> She I hope she'll yeah, she does. Because if she thinks that's my impression of her, she may she may not like me anymore. We had politicians, we had parents, we had students, we had a lot of retirees, um, mm-hmm. people from all over the country support us because they understood our efforts. They knew that our efforts were not in that were not selfish. They knew that our efforts were student centered. They knew that equity was needed for all students across. CPS, where you do not have this system of the have and have nots. And so because people from the outside understood that, we thought that at least CPS could understand the plight and be able to bridge that gap um, in our students by providing nurses for every school. And you see, as a pandemic right now, it would be absurd not to have a nurse in every school. Exactly. I mean, it was crazy beforehand. I mean, the idea that like at, at my school, like you could only get sick on Tuesday afternoons. I mean, that's that's right. stupid. that makes no sense. And, you know, how is that in the best interest of our students to have a nurse or a counselor not available? And that's one of the big things we want in the strike. Yes, the commitment to have a nurse in every single school. And yeah, if you by you saying that you can't get sick on Wednesdays because the nurse is not there and the nurse has to travel to different schools, sometimes between two and six schools a week. Yep. And that's hard on the that's hard on the nurse oh, traveling, yeah. going from one school to another, sometimes two or three schools a day um, that can lead to a nurse burnout and say, you know what, I can't do this. This is too much for me. Uh, I cannot service students the way they need to be serviced. And I don't want my efforts to be in vain. So I'm thankful that CPS made that commitment and was able to see like this is a basic need. Uh, our students health is a basic need in a school. And so I'm glad they provided that commitment. Hey, we have the strike to do that, but hey, it is what it is. The unfortunate thing with this is that we still have to wait till the end of the five-year contract to realize all the nurses, but they are being phased in. But I mean, it's really frustrating right now because we need hella nurses right now. We need way more than we even want, you know? I mean, we are in a pandemic, so I, I feel people's pain. And even though the majority of faculty and students are outside the building there are still a nice amount of people who still work in the buildings like still clerks are going the administration is there you have janitors um you have parents coming out of the building so it still would make sense to still have a nurse on deck because this happens all the time there are many, there are several schools more than several schools that have reported cases of covid 
it's over 50 schools right now across CPS. It's almost 10% of the schools. Wow. And 200 and I want to say 70 something cases. I can't remember exactly. That's a lot. And there's not hardly anybody in the schools. It's insane to think that we're going to put people back in the schools in this situation. I mean, it's a good thing we won the nurses that we did, but we definitely need more than, than what we've got. And we got to keep pushing for that and keep pushing harder before the next contract. So the next time we can get two or three. And also from the strike, we also uh, won $25 million, uh, which is about $5 million annually to support our veteran teachers. Yep. And these are the teachers who have committed uh, many years of experience um, to the school system and say, I'm going to stay here. I want to work with our students. I could go to another district because I'm in high demand, but I'm going to stay here and service our students. And so I uh, appreciate that CPS saw, um, the, saw the importance of having experienced teachers in the schools as well. Well, yeah, I wish it was because they saw the importance of experienced teachers, but what they saw was <laughs> a lot of red in the street is what they saw. That's true. That you is know? true. And it's so sad that they got it. We got to fight for what's obviously right. This isn't even really much of a discussion. I mean, what right. business says, oh no, we don't want experienced people doing this job. We want Nobody. only new people with nobody to mentor them. Can you imagine anything like you go into like a hospital for surgery and like, hey, guess what? We got all first year doctors. Like what? Exactly. <laughs> you know? or, or anything. Damn. I mean, you go into a subway, you want to have somebody that knows how to, you know, slice the bread. I don't and You need experience doing stuff, everything, and especially something critical like teaching. And it, it's silly that we have to go on strike and they're going to fight us about it. That was the mm. crazy part. It wasn't like we went out on strike like, oh, yeah, OK. But it took it took days and days and like, no, we ain't doing that. We ain't doing that. Lori, like, oh, no, that, that's a non-starter. We ain't doing that. Take the money and run or take the deal or whatever the hell she said. Right. And then oop, guess what? We got it. Yeah, that was actually one of the last things we had to come to an agreement on. I'm like, yeah. wow, veteran teachers is the last. You no, know, this is not the biggest deal. And. I, I'm shocked that was the last thing that we had the bargain over was like really honoring our experienced teachers yeah. who, like you said, mentor new teachers and help our children learn. I mean, that is important. Even research shows right. that a highly qualified, experienced teacher is is what is the, the main the main uh, contributor of student success. Right. And, you know, and I know myself that. I never would have made it 18 years as a teacher in the system if it wasn't for the people mentoring me when I first got into the system. Right. That first year, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Some people would argue I still don't know what the hell I'm doing, but at least then <laughs> I legitimately didn't know. And I had a couple teachers really step up and help me a lot. And were they getting paid? No. Did they get any kind of bonus? No. They just did it because they knew it was the right thing to do. And they knew saw my dumb ass not knowing what to do. And they're like, we got to help this dude because he's he going to be gone in a minute. And they were right. Yeah, absolutely. And in addition to that, Jim, we also want enforceable, enforceable class size limitations. Yeah. Um, at first, the class size were not enforceable. It was like, OK, if your class is overcrowded, you know, we'll bring out a class size task force and try to figure out what to do. But no, it is enforceable. And there are things or measures in place to ensure that classes are not overcrowded and that teachers um, and students get what they need if this so occurs. So I'm glad that we got that language in the contract. Yeah. 
And, you know, and, and the thing with that is, remember that this was not even something CPS was required to bargain over. So right. this, this was one of those issues that they said again, hey, we don't have to bargain about that. And you know what we said? You know, you're right. You don't, but you're gonna. And then they did. And this is one of those. It's a really good example that when there's enough power together, we can get the people that are higher up to do what needs to be done. Should they have done it to begin with? Yes, they should have done it to begin with, but they didn't. And it took us being out in the street and fighting about it. And then they had to look silly in the news, trying to explain to everybody why we don't need smaller class sizes. Right. I mean, there, there's no reason. There's no good reason that they've got their position, but um, they finally changed it. And now we've got an enforceable class size. We've got a class size council. Um, and if any of you guys out there are having larger class size and don't let the principals try to play like, oh, we remote so we can have like 500 kids in your room. No, you can't. Same thing. It's the same rule. So give a, give a call to your, your, talk to your delegate or talk to your field rep. We can get that class size council working for you. One of those things we want in the contract. Yes, and we want so many other things as well, Jim. We cannot even name it all. I know one more thing that we want is teachers, their sick day bank increase. We know yep. that at one point it was at 40 day max. Do you use them or you lose them? Yep. And we know sometimes teachers get sick and we in a pandemic. And if you are sick, we do want you to stay home. Yep. We don't want teachers to be feel like they are forced to come to school because they're sick and right. they they can't use a sick day. And so we, um, if our teachers are healthy, then our students are healthy. So we want to give our teachers, you know, what they need. Not, not just our teachers, but our clerks, our paraprofessionals and all those who are um, in the union with us. And so we, we got over 200, you know, days of sick days being banked. So we, uh, we do value that because that was a really, um, that was a concern for teachers who may need, uh, who may need to stay home. And, and so we're we're glad for that. But there were so many things that we won that we cannot name them all. Oh, of yeah. course, you know that in a contract, you know, all, you know, in a contract fighter negotiation, you don't get every single thing that you want, but we'll take it. And you know, Ms. Parker, the thing that's really frustrating for me is that you know we we win a contract, and we we first of all we shouldn't have even had to fight for that. That should be regular stuff. The fact that we even have to fight for a nurse in a building for a social worker in a building that we shouldn't even have to fight for that. But we did. We fought our ass off. We stayed out for 11 days. And it seems that CPS can still kind of almost do whatever they want. And it's very frustrating. And I hear it from a lot of members that they're really frustrated. And some of them don't really feel the winds of the strike. Um, and I don't know if you felt like this after 2012 as well. There was sort of the, the I won't say a letdown, like I was let down, but I, it, like an emotional drop after the strike like anticlimactic you know but it was a little different because after the strike you know we had we were back in the building we were working with our colleagues and schools started closing down it was a fight to keep schools open so we win something then we started losing exactly and it can feel really frustrating like we take two steps forward and three steps back right but you know i i think you know it's it's very reasonable if people feel like they don't see these wins like, you know, just the other day, we won, we won an arbitration against the district, right? We go to court and we have a federal arbitrator saying that it's illegal for CPS not to bargain over forcing the clerks and the technology coordinators back into the schools, right? So we're like, yay, we won. And then CPS is like, hey, we can do whatever the hell we want. And it, it can be really frustrating. I can understand why people are really frustrated with that. But, you know, I, I always think like, what would happen if we didn't fight that, right? True. I mean, 
they're defying the law. This is illegal. It's not like, you know, in a court, you can just be like, oh, I don't like the decision. I'm not going to do that. Right. I mean, if you're going to court, somebody's not going to like the outcome, right? One party is going to be upset, but that's the whole purpose of a court and an arbitrator to decide this stuff for us. And there's a lot of this stuff that, you know, some people I think feel like there's not real wins in this contract. Yeah, I'm sure. And I understand their sentiments. And sometimes when you win, you know, you don't feel the victory right away. Sometimes it can be gradual. Sometimes it takes time. I do believe like I'd liken it to like the Civil War and the fight, you know, against slavery in our country. And it took it took years for every slave to feel like they were free because some slaves didn't know they were free to like two years later. And then you had people, you know, you had um, them try to find housing and things like that. And so we just have to understand that you get victory, but sometimes it comes in phases and they don't always happen as quickly as we would like. But it does not mean that we don't have victory. Um, It does not mean that we did not win. It does not mean that the strike uh, was not worth fighting for because it was. Um, The strike was worth having. Uh, And again, it may be anticlimactic right now, but we, we will we do see some of the gains. I mean, there is. Uh, language on class size. So if your class size is still um, too big, there's still language to protect you. And I know that um, the priorities have been on COVID right now and we are remote and there are still some remote learning classes that are huge. And yes, teachers, we empathize with you. Um, So just continue to fight, continue to be in communication with your field rep. We're still fighting for you, even though the bill, even though CTU bill is not open, we're still working and we are a union that never sleeps. So, again, whatever issues you have, continue to have union meetings, even if they're virtually like school by union meetings, still meet with your PPCs, your PPLCs like we, we just can never stop or be comfortable. So if you are still upset or feel like you did not get what you want, have some conversation about it. Uh, what would victory look like for you and still fight? There's a lot of stuff that I think we don't know about how the winds are working right now. As, as a field rep in, in CTU right now, I get to see a lot of these different things that are going on around the district. And there are several schools that I'm working with right now that the class size council is actually directly working with them to reduce the class sizes in those buildings. There was no such thing before. The class size committee we had before, there was you could refer people to it and then we could negotiate it. This, there's got to be a resolution at the end. It's written into the contract. We have to do that. Um, And another thing that's been going on, and I was just at this um, for one of the networks the other day, we're having um, network-wide PPC meetings. All the delegates from these networks are starting to meet together to talk about problems there are across different schools. This was not something that was really going on before. It, It happened occasionally. But there are some real changes that are going on. The meeting I was at just on uh, this last Friday um, was very productive on trying to get um, some of these schools to be able to change their schedules for remote learning. Um, they found out the, the network chief was allowing it in some schools, but not in others. And they're like, what the hell? Why can't we have it? You have the same. Well, now this is something we can really fight. Why are we discriminating against certain schools in the, in a, in the same network? All right. These are things that we're really fighting for. And, and I want to make sure that we can try to go back and think about some of this uh, solidarity we had during the strike. Because I think that's really important to keep in our minds now because it's, it's really hard when we don't get to see our colleagues on a daily basis. Yes. 
it is. And that's why I said, let's try to stay in communication with our colleagues, even if it's virtual. Um, let's try to take charge and, and stay connected some kind of way. Um, have some group text. Just have some conversation where you do not get away from thinking about your rights. Uh, what are uh, what are your rights as a teacher? What are your rights for your students? And just don't lose sight of that. Always keep your that priority at the forefront of your mind. Because I don't ever want you as a, a member of our union to think that um, you did not get victory. Yes, there are some things that we're always going to fight for. And victory may look different for other people. Some people or like some teachers may feel like they have more victory than others. Like for elementary school teachers like myself, we didn't get the prep, the, um, the extra prep time that we know we need. Um, however, and, the, and high school teachers were in solidarity with us. Um, so we may feel like we didn't get more than high school possibly, but that doesn't mean that we are not together. That does not mean that we don't continue to fight. And maybe on the next contract, we still stay in solidarity. And this is a real huge sticking point for us. Then maybe we'll get it. So let's just continue to fight. And even when it's not a contract, as Jim State stated before, even we're not in a contract, we're still fighting. That's right. I mean, that's where the real struggle is, is between the contracts. It, if we didn't fight and push and lay the groundwork for stuff before this last contract, we would not have gotten this stuff. Right. And remember, a lot of that stuff, they didn't have to bargain with us about. Class size, didn't have to bargain on that. A lot of stuff were not mandatory subjects of bargaining, but we got to, them to do it anyway because we were united. And you know what? I want to make sure that, you know, we can keep ourselves in solidarity with some of the groups right now that are probably feeling it the most. And I'm thinking about the clerks and technology coordinators, along with the pre-K and cluster teachers. Um, you know, those are specific issues right now that CPS is trying to do their divide and conquer thing that they always do. Let's take some of the smallest groups as far as number wise. Let's take some of the ones that have the most vulnerable and needy students and let's see if everybody will stand with them. I, I'm just telling everybody we will. And I will, I'm going to give it, give a shout out to some of my peeps from back at, at King College Prep. And uh, Ms. Parker reminded me about that, about the, the 15 minute prep thing during the strike. And, you know, we're a high school and it was near the end of the strike. And we were talking about, um, there was some discussion about would we stay out on strike if it was for the 15 minute prep? And I just asked my faculty, uh, what do you guys think? I was very proud of my faculty. Every single person that was there, and it was over 90% of us that were there every day, every single person there said, whatever the elementary school teachers say, we'll go on strike for that. If they say we need it, then we need it. You know, I was already with all my points about trying to explain why it's important. Right. I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. If the elementary school teachers think it's important, then it's important. You don't have to explain it to me. I'm like, that's, that's, what, it, that's what this is about. This is about a family sticking together. And it doesn't matter what the other person did. We're, we're on their side. No matter. No matter what Miss Parker need. If she says she need it, she need it. You don't gotta ask, you don't explain that shit to me. She says she need it, she need it. All right. And that's what we're gonna do with the pre-K teachers, the cluster teachers, the techos, the clerks, the assistant clerks, whatever they say we need, that's what we need. They're professionals and we trust our professionals. Yeah. They're the experts in their area. I'm not. That's right. And they say they need it, they need it. I'm good with that. We're all behind this. We're all behind each other. And we're going to support each other through this whole time as, as rough as it is. And we're doing this in the name of um, equity for our students to make sure they get the education they deserve. And they should not have to be without or lack because of their race, because of their zip code, um, because of their school is small, 
And it's under 300 students. And because we're under student-based budgeting, they can't get all the resources they need. No, this is this is unacceptable. Um, inequity is unacceptable. And we have to strike to make sure that the world know that the Chicago Teachers Union will no longer accept inequity in our students. And anytime we see it, we're going to fight and we're going to win. That's right. And, you know, and it's not just during the strike that we have to fight this stuff. It's it's currently. There's a lot yes. of stuff. You just you just men- mentioned the student based budgeting thing. That's one of the big things we're fighting right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of you veteran teachers out there, you know, that it's it's a problem because those salaries are held against the building directly. And this becomes problematic for any of us trying to change to a different building or find a different job within the system. It makes it too expensive to hire veteran teachers and it puts an undue burden on the on the newer teachers to have to carry all this weight themselves. So even though the strike is over, right, it's been over for a year now, uh, we're not done fighting, right? The, the fight comes up to the strike so that we have all this energy and all these ideas and all this momentum going into a strike. The strike is just when it spills over into the street. All that fight and work has to come beforehand. And that's what we're doing now. So don't let up and don't just be like, oh, well, you know, this isn't going to be able to be enforced or that's not going to be able to be enforced. Nope. Don't play that game. And we're going to we're going to hear some about that and some of this energy and passion that there was out in the streets for education. And we've got some voices from a year ago, Miss Parker, that we're going to revisit. They were on our episode five. You can scroll back about 30 episodes now. You've done a lot of episodes in this last year. And it's very easy to scroll. I did it myself. It's an easy scroll. Even Miss Parker can scroll. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> but we're going to hear from a bunch of different people during during the strike and and remember, this is before the strike. So these are people talking about, we asked them a question, why are you willing to strike? And yes. this is what they said they were willing to do. And I want you, as they're talking, think about all the stuff we actually won. We didn't know we were going to win this stuff at the time, but this is what people were saying they wanted. All right. And so the, you're going to hear seven or eight different people talking about, and some of them are teachers, some are politicians, mm-hmm. uh, some are students, all talking about what they need to be successful within the classroom. And and uh, and what we need to do to move forward. Let's listen. My name is uh, Marco Camacho. I teach at Whittier Elementary. I'm a special education teacher. The reason why we're marching is for our students. We need more social workers. We need more uh, support. We need nurses because we work in at-risk neighborhoods where our students experience a great deal of trauma and we don't have the resources that we need to help our young people. My name is Ilana Jacobs. I'm a teacher at Prieto School, teach science, ESL, special ed, and I'm here because we need smaller classroom sizes, more social workers, a nurse in every school every day, and our kids need better, and our teachers and our staff need better. My name is Carolyn Brown. I'm a teacher at Kelly High School, and I'm marching because my students and my colleagues deserve better than we have right now, and we want the city to see us and what we're willing to do to get what our schools deserve. My name is Anna. I'm in, um, I go to Kelmer. I'm in fifth grade, and why I'm here is because my classroom size is too big, and I got 32 kids in my class, and it should be 22. My name is Sydney Miller, and I work for the Chicago Park District at South Shore Cultural Center. 
we're fighting for a fair contract. I'm a part-time worker. I have to work two jobs just to make a living. And the fact that I have two jobs with the park district, I have to fill out dual work forms so that they can know what time I work, where I'm going. They want to be the number one priority. If you want to be that, then I say, make me full-time because I'm qualified to work full-time. I'm doing a full-time instructor's work, but I'm not getting that pay. That is so unfair. I was in the military. I served as an officer in the military. And one thing I learned is that if you treat your soldiers well, they will treat you well and, and, and follow you and show so much respect. It's like they're disrespecting us. Treat us the way you want to be respected and the way you want to be treated. It's just like Frederick Douglass said, there can be no progress without struggle. My name's Elizabeth Lawless. I'm a registered nurse. I work at Strozier Cook County Hospital, um, and I'm with National Nurses United. Uh, the reason I came out, I feel very strongly about what the teachers and uh, SEIU are fighting for, especially around staffing. I feel the nurse in every school, it's uh, near and dear to my heart because the staffing in our hospital can be so poor that it really creates a situation where there's a real lack of safety and I feel like the students are in a similar situation where they have a nurse for five different schools, the nurse has hundreds of students to take care of, it's impossible to actually be able to do that and to do it in the way that the students and for me, our patients really deserve. So that's why I'm out today. So I'm Jeffrey Howard, Executive Vice President of SEIU Local 73, and I'm here to support the workers of the Chicago Teachers Union, SEIU Local 73, our 7,000 members at the Chicago Public Schools, and our 3,000 members at the Chicago Park District. We take care of the most vulnerable people in this city, our children, many of our adults. We keep our schools safe, clean, we keep our parks open and available to all the citizens of Chicago. I'm here to support these workers today in their contract fight and we're asking the mayor, take care of these workers that take care of the city of Chicago. Thank you. Hi, my name is Leslie Westerberg and I'm the librarian over at Nixon Elementary. And the reason I am out here today is because there is a severe shortage of librarians in CPS because CPS has cut librarians. We're down to about 108 for over 500 schools altogether. I'm Sarah Saig. I'm a retired CPS librarian. I worked at DuSable, which was a school that had a librarian continuously from 1935 until when I had to retire in 2017 because CPS cut my position four times. I don't understand why our children in Chicago can't have their basic needs met in their public schools. Hi, my name is Melissa Rakestraw, and I'm a letter carrier at the post office. I'm a member of the National Association of Letter Carriers, and I'm out here today to show solidarity with CTU because Chicago schools deserve to have nurses and librarians and counselors and all the staff that they need to make sure that the kids of our communities have what they need in Chicago. Hello, I am Nina Turner, former state senator in the great state of Ohio. I am a national co-chair for Senator Bernie Sanders 2020 presidential campaign. I am here standing in the ready position for Senator Bernie Sanders in solidarity with CTU and SEIU 73. It is important that all of our workers who touch the classroom, who touch our children, are paid 
good wages, that the classroom sizes are such that teachers can teach and students can learn, and that we leave nobody behind that is in service of our students. So I am here to say loud and proud that Bernie 2020 stands in solidarity with the teachers and SEIU 73 in the great city of Chicago. So I'm Quentin Washington. Um, I'm a music teacher at Lowski Elementary School. Um, 18 year veteran teacher and I'm out here marching for the schools our students deserve, smaller class sizes, making sure we have wraparound services for our students so that the students that are experiencing violence and trauma and unfortunate circumstances that are beyond their control have a safe haven to get to so that they can get the supports that they need so that when they come to my room they can focus and appreciate what's happening and not have to be so concerned about what's going to happen when they leave the school building. Hi, my name is Stephanie Cirillo and I am the LSC at Kilmer and I am out here to fight for my kids' school. My son has special needs and he has just uh, developed in leaps and bounds in his time at Kilmer and they deserve everything they can get because they're helping the kids every day. I'm State Senator Robert Peters of the 13th District and the reason why I'm marching is for a few things. A, I'm a special ed kid. At the public school I went to as a kid, I had special ed teachers and support, and we need that in our schools today. B, I spent my time in parks when I couldn't go home. Our parks are the jewels of the city, and the workers who make that happen are the jewels of the city. And three, when it comes down to it, I visited 16 schools. I saw 10 police officers in each school, six to 10 police officers, one social worker for two hours on a Wednesday, and that is not safety. We need to flip that number to have real safety. So that's why I'm marching today. My name is Evelyn A. Davis West, and I'm a CPS seeker. And the reason why I'm here standing for all is for fairness and justice and for a fair contract. Lori Lightfoot, get on the right foot. Fair contract now. listening to CTU Speaks and celebrating our one-year anniversary of the strike with us. Uh, there'll be more victories to come and more celebrations to come with the Chicago Teachers Union. And again, thank you for listening to us. And if you want to continue listening to us, please subscribe to our podcast. Again, we are many po- we are all podcasting platforms, Spotify, TuneIn, SoundCloud. Just do it. It's not that hard. And tell a friend of two or three because we want to increase our listenership, okay? Because the more listeners that listen, I believe the more activists that we have, okay? Right. Because we have active listeners. We don't have past listeners in CTU no. with CTU Speaks. We have very active listeners. And Jim, tell us how else they can contact us if they need us. They can email us at CTU Speaks at CTULocal1.org or they can call us at 312-467-8888. I'll say that one more time because Ms. Parker always does. That's 312-467-8888. And don't forget, 
We are CTU Speaks, where we only speak what matters. Okay, Jill. I was ready to say it, but you beat me to the punch. I, I like that. We do. I snatched it. Yeah. I love it. We are team. That's what we do, right? That's, that's how we play. That's how we roll here. All right, our faithful new listeners. We will see you at the next episode. Bye.